an eight-game conference schedule in 2024. What a cop-out, right? But at least that's not going to be a long-term solution. Better than nothing, I guess, but uh, we're going to talk about it all here on a Monday. Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to it. This is your Monday edition of Locked On Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys being here as always. Shout out to you everydayers for coming back for some more. Couldn't do this show uh, without each and every single one of you guys. So I appreciate you guys subscribing on Locked On Vols on the YouTube channel and following and subscribing wherever you get your audio podcast. we got a loads to get into here today. SEC announces a eight-game schedule for the 2024 season, so looking forward to uh, diving into a little bit of that. Um, what could Tennessee's opponents look like in 2024, and is this a one-off or a, a one-year type thing? Is it going to go to a nine-game schedule in 2025 and beyond? And we'll discuss all that in segments one and two, Tennessee opponents. And then a look back at a historic baseball game in Tennessee history. Um, I am down here, uh, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube. Don't have the new setup, which is unfortunate because I don't have it on my laptop. Um, but uh, down here, finishing things up in uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, in real time, I'm recording this before the Sunday night game. And so um, I, I will have full coverage on how this thing ends, right? Um, but Tennessee's played itself into a pretty good, pretty good situation. And Saturday's win over Clemson was historic. We're going to look back at that win over Clemson in segment number three. So all that here on a Monday show. Don't forget Twitter Tuesdays coming up tomorrow. Any questions, comments, concerns you guys may have, uh, get them in for a little Twitter Tuesday mailbag at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols. So I come on here in the uh, I, I come on here in the uh, the Friday episode and I recorded it, you know, Thursday evening. And I record it, and I say, hey, you know, is, is there anything going on at the SEC spring meetings? What's going on here? Are they going to decide anything? You know, I do all that. I, I edit. I upload. I schedule. I hit the road for Clemson. And then, of course, because this is how my industry works, um, the, the announcement comes out later that evening that, uh, tennis, that Tennessee, along with the SEC, is going with an eight-game conference model in 2024 so i do apologize friday's segment number one was a little outdated but i wanted to knowing that this was going to be a busy weekend and knowing i was going to be on the road i wanted to save this and, and really dive into it here on a monday so 2024 eight game conference schedule no divisions it's supposed to be positioned as a one-off well if it's going to be a one-off if it's just going to be one year why on earth would you not just you know go ahead and just make it a nine game conference schedule well Two big factors. We've talked about it a little bit here on the show. Uh, but, of course, Ross Dellinger of ESPN has been all over it. It's Ross Dellinger of uh, Sports Illustrated, excuse me. He's been all over it. Um, ESPN, additional revenue. ESPN is going to be the SEC's sole broadcasting partner in 2024. The negotiated terms right now are for an eight-game conference schedule. Uh, the SEC presidents, the SEC chancellors, athletic directors, and probably Greg Sankey himself obviously would want a bigger revenue split from ESPN if – you're going to add another conference game on there. You know, that is that is going to be 16 more conference games that you're going to be able to broadcast, right? And so um, that is a big one. And that's something that obviously we shouldn't be dismissive, dismissive over. Um, money makes the world go round. So when I'm up here talking and when I'm here, when I'm up here, you know, saying it's pathetic and it's insulting that the SEC won't go to a nine game conference schedule, I still believe that. But I do know, you know, you need to get those monies and those cents right. 
You need to get those monies aligned, if you will. And right now, there's just not enough opportunity to do that. ESPN is over the course of laying off a ton of its staff. Uh, it's taking on. Uh, it's it's going to be negotiating a new NBA deal. It's want to take off, take on a little, um, uh, you know, professional wrestling and doing a couple of different stuff. So they're really in no, you know, ballpark to be negotiating right now to make that a short fix. So I I understand that one a little bit. What I don't necessarily understand is another reason why. Um, the SEC opted for an eight-game schedule in 2024 was to see what it may look like, the college football playoff expansion process, uh, the selection process for that college football expanded playoffs. Um, kind of to seeing, you know, what the committee votes on, what the committee values and all that. And that will also kind of determine, do you want to go to nine games in 2025 or or do this eight-game thing, you know, through 2026, 27, you know, whatever the case may be. Um it's not a very big sample size if you're going to evaluate and look at the committee and see how they uh, go about things for one year in 2024 that is not a very big sample size plus uh, might i remind you that the college football playoff committee changes up every single year what does the committee value more this year to that year we won't know uh so that reason i just i, I don't necessarily buy into that whatsoever i'm sure if you play one more conference game you're 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 tacking on eight more losses to the conference because of course there's 16 teams with Oklahoma and Texas joining. Uh, if you play one more conference game, then half the league is going to lose a game. Could the difference in three wins and two wins get you into college football playoff? A- absolutely. I, I, I'm not I'm not disputing that. But are you already going to have four to five teams from the SEC, maybe even more, in that expanded college football playoffs? Sure. You know, I mean, smart. What, what's that saying? Um, you know, fat people get rich, hogs get slaughtered. I mean, come on. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's just, it's ridiculous when you sit back and think about it sometimes. So I'm not really buying into that whatsoever. And then future scheduling problems. Sure. The SEC, a lot of times already have home and home set up through 2030 or 2031, all that type of stuff. Um, You know, how to go about getting out of those, how to go about maintaining the, you know, eight game plus one model or the nine game conference schedule plus one power five opponent. They still need time to figure that out. So, you know, it is what it is. So whatever the case is, what we know for 2024 is it's going to be an eight-game conference schedule. No divisions. And what it will do is preserve primary and secondary rivals from the get-go. So Tennessee will play Alabama. Tennessee will play Vanderbilt no matter what in 2024. If it were to be a true 1-7 model moving forward, you might not play Alabama every single year because Alabama is a secondary rival, a rivalry. Uh, Vanderbilt's your primary, and I know it depends on who you ask and all that, but you know Auburn is Alabama's primary. Tennessee is Alabama's secondary, even though the third Saturday in October is one of the premier college events every single year, in my opinion. So um, what's going to happen is in 2024, uh, the SEC Network is going to get a TV uh, show out of this, so that's always good for uh, for, for the uh, – <laughs> Uh, for the rich that keeps keep getting richer on june 14th the sec is going to announce 2024 matchups and um basically who's playing who so tennessee will play uh you know alabama vanderbilt it'll play georgia you know whoever the case may be uh those kind of like the covid year remember when the covid year when they had that uh scheduling show and all that type of stuff kind of announced on the sec network that's what it's going to look like on June the 24th for, you know, the SEC. So we're going to know who Tennessee is going to play in 2024. We just don't know what dates those are going to happen. Uh, those will come at a later date. Um, uh, it's it's reported by Ross Dellinger of ESPN that five programs publicly supported 
the nine-game conference model. Those were LSU, Texas, Georgia, Florida, and Missouri. But it was unanimously voted on to do the eight-game 2024 schedule before reevaluating, and Greg Sankey says he hopes to have a resolution for a nine-game conference schedule by this point in time next year uh, moving forward. So uh, we will see, right? How are they going to come up with the eight-game conference schedule? Well, as I mentioned, traditional rivalries, Tennessee Vanderbilt, that's safe. Secondary rivalries, Tennessee Alabama, that's safe for 2024. Um, Tennessee and uh, you know maybe Kentucky or something, that's probably safe for 2024. But they're also going to use a balanced metric by taking into account the last 10 years of the SEC conference standings. That's something Nick Saban spoke to Sports Illustrated on a couple of months ago by putting out you know the winning percentage of the last 10 years and trying to make a fair and equal balance system in order to come up with that conference schedule. So. Is it great? No. Um, is it the end of the world? No, because if this truly is a one-off, if this truly is just a one-year situation, then okay. Let's get back to the drawing board. Let's figure it out. You're the SEC. It just means more. Put your money where your mouth is, literally, and go play non-conference games like the Big Ten. Go play non-conference games like every other Power Five conference out there. Um, you you want to be you you want to you want to pump your chest and say, hey, we're big and bad. We're the best there is. Go prove it. This is a one-off. Okay. Get back to the drawing board, figure it out for 2025 and beyond, and let's go ahead and get to a nine-game conference schedule. Uh, the Power 5 opponent component will be in there, so it'll be an eight-game conference schedule in 2024 with uh, one Power 5 game outside of the conference. So, you know, that protects the Georgia, Georgia Techs, Louisville, Kentuckys, Clemson, South Carolinas, all that type of stuff. So um, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Is it the end of the world? No. Is it uh, a perfect solution? No. But is it a good short-term solution uh, for the first year of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. Yes, no divisions, eight games in 2024, 2025. Hey, we'll just have to wait and see. Can't wait to uh, see what that looks like moving forward. All right. All right, when we come back, who could? We got into it a little bit there, but who could be Tennessee's opponents for the 2024 season? We'll discuss all that when Lockdown Balls returns. But hey, make a fast break. Uh, at FanDuel for the NBA playoffs. Conference finals, they're going on right now. And because of that, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Great promotions every single day on the on the, uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook app to take advantage of those NBA playoffs. Safe and secure, easy-to-use app where you get paid instantly. You don't have to wait around until the end of the week until the end of the month, until the end of the quarter, to get your earnings into your pocket. Get paid instantly. That is at FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place than bet on all the playoff action than over at America's number one sportsbook right now. So go ahead and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, guys, welcome back into your Monday edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys being here. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll have my fresh, clean setup as soon as I get home. Uh, probably the next show you see will have that fresh, clean setup, hopefully. If not, it'll come back on Tuesday. But I'm on the road uh, down here in Clemson, South Carolina, uh, trying to finish off the Clemson Regional. We'll talk a little baseball in segment three. And as I said in segment one, I'm recording this before the uh, regional finale on Sunday night because it'll be a late night and I got to do stuff for VolQuest.com. Um, and I'll recap everything that that was um, on the next show. But there was a historic baseball game for Tennessee. Uh, that was on Saturday. And, and so we're going to break that down and, and talk about it. Because that 
that is the type of stuff that you look back on for years to come. There's already been comparisons from this game to Wright State game. And, uh, man, we're going to have fun talking about that coming up in segment three. So uh, we have that to look forward to. Twitter Tuesday, mailbag edition of the show. Get get that in order at underscore Kane or at Locked on Balls. Uh, that is for Tuesday's show. But uh, we discussed the eight-game conference schedule for 2024. So what does that mean in terms of Tennessee? Who could Tennessee be playing in 2024? Uh, we got into it a little bit in segment number one, but uh, again, June 14th, we'll find out those teams. We'll find out, we'll find out those matchups. We won't know the dates or the times. That'll come at a later um, a, a later destination, but we will know the, the matchups, if you will. Very NFL-esque in, you know, the here are the matchups. And then, you know, a month later, here's the schedule and all that type of stuff. So trying to make it a year-round thing, a year-round business, and I, I agree with that. I think that's smart, you know, for the SEC and for Greg Sankey. Uh, but when you look at the 2024 schedule, okay, so just throw, if you go, you know, look, look up the 2024 schedules, a couple different websites out there for Tennessee, th- throw the order out of the book, okay? That doesn't mean anything. But look at those non-conference games. Tennessee is supposed to be playing UTC in 2024, NC State in Charlotte, that would be the one power five, UTEP, and Kent State. Okay, so those, I mean, if they're already ironed in and there's contract signs still delivered and all that, you know, that's likely not to change, especially with needing to play one uh, Power 5 opponent outside of the SEC. That's where NC State comes in. Now, what I completely disagree with, it's not a home-and-home. It's a stupid neutral side game in Charlotte. Who gives a flying flip about that? This is college athletics, college football, home-and-homes. That's what fans want to do. You know how much fun it is being here in Clemson, South Carolina this weekend? I'm with the media. I'm covering the I'm covering the team and everything, sure. But I got one of my buddies here, and he's walking around with a Tennessee shirt on all the time, getting, you know, stared up and down and drunk guys, you know, mouthing off to him and stuff. I mean, you know, it's just it's all it's pageantry, right? It's fun. It's fun. That's what college football, that's what college athletics is all about. You want home and homes. You do not want neutral site games. So, you know, the Syracuse taking part in Atlanta, the, the NC State and Charlotte, uh, West Virginia and Charlotte, like in 2027 or 2028, whatever. We've already done that. Who cares? So that's my biggest beef with there. But when you look at the, the Tennessee schedule for 2024, UTC, NC State, UTEP, and Kent State, those are likely not to change, okay? So which teams from the SEC could you go ahead and throw in there? Remember, there's no divisions. Well, as we pointed out, Traditional rivalries are going to stay put. So put Vanderbilt down there for Tennessee. If you're watching on YouTube, sorry, the shaky screen. Um, Secondary rivalries are going to be protected. So go ahead and put down Alabama. That is one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six games. And that is two from the SEC. So you got to figure out six more games. And you got to figure out six more, all, all of which are games inside the SEC. Would it be likely that Tennessee plays Alabama and Georgia in the same season in 2024? If you're talking about fair and balanced equality, probably not, especially if you're going over that 10-year span of winning percentages in the SEC. Um, I think it would be unlikely that Tennessee and Georgia would play in 2024. This is just me, okay? This is not, there's not been a report. There's not been any you know, speculation, talk through the back channel. This is just me. Um, obviously, Tennessee would play Vanderbilt. Tennessee would play Alabama. I don't see Tennessee playing Georgia in 2024. But what's that mean? Could Tennessee play an Ole Miss? Could Tennessee maybe play an LSU? You know, yeah, t- Tennessee's going to get some good teams from the SEC West for sure. 
but maybe you're not playing everybody from the East that year. You know, you're probably going to play Florida and Kentucky because those are quote unquote rivalry games. Kentucky's the border bowl. Kentucky's the border war battle, battle the beer barrel, right? You know, Florida, you played Florida every single year since 1992 or whenever they redid divisions or created divisions, 91 and the SEC. And, you know, my demographic views Florida as Tennessee's rival. So, yeah, those could probably be protected in 2024. 2025 and 2026, who knows? Um, because you're going to this nine-game schedule. And, of course, when we talked about the 3-6 model, who's that third permanent opponent or common opponent? I don't think it would be either Kentucky or – I wish it would be Kentucky. I don't think it would be Florida at all. It definitely won't be Georgia. Um, but those are some of the top of games that you can see Tennessee playing in 2024. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what it looks like, right? Um, this is a one-off. There's no divisions. And what that, and I didn't even mention this in segment one. I apologize. Uh, what this means is for the SEC championship, you will take the top two teams from the SEC and they would go to Atlanta. So you would not have an SEC East, quote-unquote, champion. You would not have an SEC West, quote-unquote, champion. You would have one through 16, team one, team two would go to Atlanta and they would play for a conference championship. So uh, that is also a big part of this whole thing. I should have uh, I should have mentioned that in segment number one. But nonetheless, um, that that that's kind of how you get to Atlanta. So it'll be really interesting to see exactly, you know, what teams Tennessee is going to be playing in 2024. Like, let's be honest. Would anybody be upset if Tennessee didn't play Missouri in 2024? The answer is probably no. Would anybody be upset if Tennessee didn't play I mean, everybody else in the East, you kind of have a thing for, right? Vanderbilt, you want to play. Uh, Kentucky, you want to play. I mean, okay. Is it, would it upset anybody if Tennessee didn't play South Carolina? You know, maybe in 2023, because you want to get some revenge on South Carolina knocking you out of college football playoff contention in 2022. You want to get some revenge of that embarrassing loss in Columbia, South Carolina. But I'm asking long-term, Tennessee, South Carolina, would you really be that hurt? You know, we had, uh, you know, we were talking with Locked On Gamecocks the other day, and, you know, we were talking about how this is kind of starting to become a little bit of a rivalry, sure. But in the grand scheme of things, you mean to tell me you care about South Carolina more than you care about the likes of Florida or Kentucky? I don't think so. So there's an opportunity in 2024 to not only play Alabama, to not only play whatever was going to be the rotational opponent, the cross-divisional opponent uh, for that season, but also maybe – Maybe a Mississippi State, which I wouldn't care about, but maybe another LSU, maybe an Ole Miss, maybe an Arkansas, maybe another Texas A&M, though highly unlikely because Tennessee plays Texas A&M this year. Um, with that metric, Tennessee played LSU just the year before. So I don't know. Someone a lot smarter than me is going to figure out that schedule, but it's kind of exciting, right? And then hopefully by this point in time in 2025, or excuse me, 2024, when the SEC spring meetings wrap up in Destin, Florida, we have come to a resolution on a nine-game conference schedule um, where you're going to get a bigger piece of the pie, bigger revenue split from ESPN, where you're not going to hide behind the fact of hide behind the fact of wanting to see what a you know a college football playoff selection committee process looks like. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just I don't know. When I think about the schedule possibilities for Tennessee in 2024, it does excite me because it means for sure you're going to play Alabama. It means for sure you're going to play Vanderbilt. And then from there, you know, who knows? Maybe you avoid a loss by, you know, potentially at this point in time, maybe Georgia's going down and Tennessee has surpassed Georgia. I don't know. That's only a couple, That's only two years away, but we'll see. But maybe you could avoid a loss on that schedule if Georgia's still where Georgia is right now. 
um, especially if Tennessee continues project or pro- progressing. So we'll see. A lot of excitement, but what we do know in 2024, Tennessee will play the four non-conference, UTC, UTEP, Kent State, NC State, and Charlotte. That takes care of the Power 5 uh, opponents. And then Vanderbilt and Alabama will be protected. So uh, your guess is as good as mine. We'll see exactly what Tennessee's schedule looks like in 2024. And I'm sure we'll have a whole lot of time discussing those opponents on June 14th when the SEC Network unveils its nice little TV show uh, to get to get your viewership and to get your dollars and then come around and do another TV show later on that tells us the dates and the time. So uh, looking forward to that. Hey, let's recap a baseball game that uh, was historic on Saturday night and the Clemson Regional. That's coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. All right, guys, we've got a final segment left here of this Monday edition of the show. We will recap everything that was the regional final from Clemson that happened Sunday night um, on tomorrow's show. Again, guys, I'm, I'm recording this ahead of that Tennessee showdown in the Clemson regional final for Sunday night because it's going to be a late night, and I'm going to be at the ballpark for a while. If it was anything like Saturday night, I'll be leaving the ballpark at about 1.30 in the morning. Um, so, yeah, um, there's there's a reason why I want to go ahead and get this out of the way. And, of course, you know, regardless, though, Tennessee's in a really good spot. If Tennessee were to lose the Clemson Regional on, on Sunday night, Tennessee would get an opportunity to play again on Monday. So Tennessee's sitting in the driver's seat big time. What this means is, essentially, because Tennessee knocked off Clemson on Saturday, Clemson and or, because, again, while I'm recording this right now, the game's going on, Clemson and or Charlotte is playing an elimination game or played an elimination game on Sunday at noon. The winner of that game would need to win two times. Not only that game they just played, but they would need to win later that night against Tennessee and then on Sunday on Monday to be the overall regional championship. Tennessee just needs one more win. And so that is why winning those first two games in regional play are so critical. And that is why Saturday was so neat. And I'm sitting here month, Sunday morning and Sunday around lunch. I'm still still just trying to reflect, remember. Um, there were so many points in times where it was like, oh, Tennessee's going to win. Tennessee's going to lose. Tennessee's going to win. Tennessee's going to lose. Tennessee's going to win. Tennessee's going to lose. Tennessee was down by three runs at points in times in this uh, in this baseball game, and it felt like it was 13 runs. That is how good Caden Grice was, the lefty uh, hurler for Clemson, who pitched a career high eight and a third inning, a career high you know in pitches and all that. He was phenomenal in that baseball game. And this is why the Clemson-Tennessee regional game that ended with the Volunteers over the Tigers, 6-5 to five in 14 innings, will go down as one of the best baseball games in Tennessee history, for sure. I mean, you look at this game, right? And, and you got a, a great pitching matchup with Chase Dolander and Caden Grice. Caden Grice, he was the number three starter for Clemson, but he's the first baseman. He's hit like six, 17 home runs on the season, driven in like 60 runs. And he's also the number three starter. Very Jack Caglione-ish uh, down there in Florida for Clemson and, and this guy and Caden Grice. And so, you know, with Tennessee's issues to hit left-handed pitching at times this year, it was smart of them to throw him against Tennessee on Saturday night. Clemson took down Lipscomb on Friday in the first game. Tennessee took down Charlotte on Friday in the first game, setting up for a one-seed versus two-seed, Tennessee being the two-seed of the Clemson Regional there on Saturday night. And zero spanned the scoreboard all the way to the top of the fourth inning when Christian Moore hit a home run, gave Tennessee a one nothing lead. And then that was short-lived, however, as four runs crossed the plate for Clemson in the bottom of the uh, fourth in-, in the bottom of the fifth inning. The big blow was a three-run home run from Cam Canarella, uh, the center fielder, ACC freshman of the year. 
He torched Tennessee in that game. He was three for five. However, later in the game, he was ejected for mouthing off after both teams were already worn for talking. And that was huge because he had to miss the next game they play, the elimination game at noon on Sunday. So anyway, it was four to one and it felt like it was an insurmountable you know, deficit. Tennessee couldn't overcome it. But then Tennessee chips away. Zane Denton hits a solo home run in the seven. That cuts the Tigers' lead in half of four to two. And then nothing happening. And then Tennessee with two outs. Okay, with two outs. Christian Moore single. Blake Burke single. And then the and then Caden Grice has had enough. He comes out. I said eight and a third earlier. It was eight and two thirds. Whatever the case was, um, he comes out. And after back to back singles, he comes out. So you have the tying run at first base. You have the winning run at the plate, the go-ahead run at the plate. And Zane Denton comes to the plate, right? And he's down in the count, 1-2. Works it back 2-2 and then sends a home run over the left field wall that was a no-doubter, right? It was a, The only question was, is it going to be fair or was it going to be foul? And Tennessee had come back. It felt like it had done the impossible. It had climbed out of that hole, got Caden Grice out of the ball game. Uh, you know, t- touched up the reliever that came in, took advantage of hitting those runners on base, those two out hitting. <coughs> Excuse me. And Tennessee had a five to four lead at that point in the ninth inning. And so you're like, okay, wow, just come out, close out, get three outs here in the bottom of the ninth, and that's it. Well, as we know, that's not how it happens. Clemson scores a run in the bottom of the ninth inning, tying the ball game at five runs apiece. And then we hit extras, right? We go to the top of the 10th inning. Chase Burns, who would come on in relief of Chase Dolander, working on like his third or fourth complete inning of work. And um, he's out there and he loads the bases to begin. No outs. Loads the bases. Walks a batter, hits a batter, gets up a single, loads the bases. And Tony Vitello thinks about coming out and and getting him. And according to the postgame interview, Chase Burns shakes him off and says, no, I got it. You serious? And and so it's like, okay. Excuse me, guys. Um, And then you get a strikeout, and then you get a 4-6-3 double play that originally the call at first base on the relay throw was safe. You go to replay, turns out he was out, and Tennessee gets out of the inning unscathed. Chase Burns gets out of the inning, bases loaded, no out jam, bottom of the 10th inning, he gets out of it. The game lives on. And mind you, the stretch at first base was from Ethan Payne, who came on as a pinch runner for Blake Burke in the top of the ninth inning, who had to stay in the ball game and play first base, and he made that stretch. And, guys, I'm going to be honest with you, if not for a couple injuries, I don't think Ethan Payne would have been on this postseason roster. Yet here he is. That's what baseball is. That's why we love it. You go on, Tennessee, in the bottom of the 13th, or the top of the 13th, hits into an inning-ending double play, which is unfortunate, and that's when the center fielder, uh, Cam Cananarola, I believe is how you say his name, um, gets ejected. You go on, at this point in time, Seth Halverson's in the ballgame, and uh, he's pitching really well for Tennessee, and it's the top of the 14th inning. Uh, Tennessee has his first, you know, at this point in time, you have Charlie Taylor and a catcher, Ethan Payne in at first base. Austin Jazlov was a DH for a little point in time. I mean, Tennessee's getting towards the end of this bench. And not to mention Clemson is on its 10th pitcher, right? And with one out, Maui Huna walks. And then Hunter Inslee, who was 0 for 6 with four strikeouts in this game, hits a double to the right center field wall. Ahuna comes all the way around to score, and Tennessee takes the lead, 6-5. to five. 
Halverson comes back out in the bottom of the 14th inning and slams the door shut, stranding the winning run or stranding the tying run on third base. And Tennessee wins it an instant classic six to five and 14 innings. I mean, what more can you say about the Tennessee baseball team, the cardiac kids, right? And what more can you say about some of those guys in this, in this baseball game? Uh, Jared Dickey was really, really good. He toughed, he toughed through again. He got hit on the hand at one point in time in this baseball game, stayed in. And at one point in time might've been asked to catch if needed because Tennessee was already down two catchers uh, because of some pinch hit opportunities and all that. Uh, you have a guy like Blake Burke who's been moved down to the bottom of the order, hitting sixth, and he was 0 for his last 18 or whatever going into the game, and he comes in and has three hits before being lifted for a pinch runner. Uh, again, I already mentioned Ethan Payne coming on. Two critical sacrifice bunts and extra innings that Ethan Payne lay down, and he uh, um, a great stretch at first base to you know help induce and help corral that 4-6-3 double play in the 10th inning. Just fantastic stuff. But really in my opinion, the story. And, of course, Zane Denton, two home runs, the three-run go-ahead home run in the ninth that you thought won at Zane Denton, four RBI on the day. Uh, incredible game for the former Alabama Crimson Tide third baseman. Chase Dolander gave up four runs, lasted only four innings in the third. Chase Burns comes in, pitches a season high in relief, but a season high overall, 99 pitches where he allows one run off six hits and six innings, six innings in a third. That is a start, guys. I mean, it really is, but he came in in the fifth inning. And then Halverson slamming the door shut. Three innings and a third, spotless baseball, no runs and no hits. What a game. What mental fortitude for Tennessee to close this one out and to say, hey, I don't want to have this quick turnaround and play at noon the next day where everybody's going to be just deflated. I want to win this game right now. I want to throw my horses, put myself in the best opportunity to win this thing on Sunday night. Because we're sitting there in the press box, it's like 13th, 14th inning, we're like, all right, well, it's a foregone conclusion. Whoever loses this game tonight is going to lose tomorrow at noon because of such a quick turnaround. You know, we'll see if that actually happens, but uh, Tennessee doesn't have to worry about that. So John Wilkerson's call on the Vol Radio Network was fantastic. Um, I was really proud of my coverage over VolQuest.com. I hope you got to, you know, got to read it. I, I, you know, games like that are so much fun. But also, you gotta you gotta realize, you know, Big J journalist here. Twice I had everything ready to go, and I was a click away from submitting my final work when the last out was going to be out there, and then Zane didn't hit a home run, or you know, Tennessee gets that double play or whatever to get out of it. So I had to rewrite like three or four times, and so um, that's the frustrating part about those games for people like us. However, it's exciting, and it's why you do it. You love to do it. So um, I'll recap everything that was the Clemson Regional Sunday night, but I wanted to talk about that historic game program record. For 14 innings, tied it. Happened four other times. Last last time it happened was at Texas A&M in 2017. But it's it's historic because it tied a program record. But it's an instant classic for the way Tennessee won it in regional play and already drawing comparisons to the Wright State game, that grand slam from Drew Gilbert and all that. So um, what a night. It was really, really fun. What a night for Tennessee baseball. And we will see. Um, what the rest of the weekend looks like, and we'll see if Tennessee can host a regional if you if you finish business here. So we'll have to uh, uh, navigate that when we get there. But, hey, guys, I appreciate it. We'll recap everything was the Clemson regional finale 
on Tuesday's podcast. We'll take your questions, all that and more. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching us, listening to us, subscribing and following along. Hit that subscription button wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, wherever. Appreciate you guys as always. Thank you, everydayers. And uh, check out Lockdown SEC. Make that your second listen right after we get done here on Lockdown Balls. Guys, enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.